Thank you for joining us and welcome to a very special series called Shock Your Job Search Potential. I'm your host, Michael Sherlock, and over the next few weeks, we will introduce you to experts in the fields of recruiting, hiring, and interviewing, providing both job seekers and hiring managers with valuable information. We also highlight a wealth of resources for vets and their families. Listen in to Shock Your Career Potential. To learn more about all of our programs, visit us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. Welcome to another episode in the Job Seekers Summit. Today, my guest is uh, going to make us all think for a number of reasons. Her name is Norma Kraft with Norma Kraft Consulting, and she calls herself a job search strategist strategist, see she calls herself something better than I can even say, and a coach for mature and mid-level, uh, you know, people that are seeking that next opportunity. And the whole concept of the mature is what I really want to focus on quite, quite a bit because I, you know, even though I'm not sure I am, um, <laughs> I know that I qualify in terms of years. So first of all, Norma, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's a joy to be here. And when you're talking about the mature job seeker, I don't know if that's actually a good word, but um, you know those job seekers that are at a certain age, and actually that age can be even younger than you'd expect yeah. um, today, you know, but there is a lot of ageism going on, and so I'm trying to help override some of that. It's so poignant. And when I, you know, reached out to you to be a part of this um, a panel of experts, one of the things that really, um, you know, struck me about what you're doing in the, in the particular group you're working with is, mm-hmm. you know, I have people that are constantly reaching out to me, asking me pieces of advice. And so many of them say things like, well, I still have a lot to give, or, but I know I'm not young. I know I'm not a spring chicken. I don't know how to compete. And, you know, to your point, I'm hearing this from people my age and I'm getting close to 50. I hear it from people older than I am, but I'm also hearing it from some that are younger, which tells me that all of us at some point in time are a little bit concerned with age. And I know that you have kind of a, a, a special story why this is near and dear to your heart. So I thought it might be a great idea just to have you tell a little bit about your story, your backstory to the viewers. Well, you know, I had worked for a company for 10 years um, as the talent acquisition manager. I was very excited to be there. Um, Was the best job in my career that I had had. I loved it. And I thought I would retire from there. And then after 10 years, I was, um, pulled into the office and said that my job, my position was eliminated. And the company was being sold, so they were having to readjust and reorganize. And so I understood it from the business level. But frankly, I was shocked because I was 63. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And so, that's so common. It's, you know, and people are having this happen all the time for a variety of reasons because we're seeing it especially a lot in retail. Mm-hmm. You see businesses that are compacting, you see them folding, you see doors closing, but not just in retail. We see it with lots of businesses that are um, having, they're merging, they are being sold, they're bought, but regardless, whatever the reason is, there's a lot of people right there, right now that are hearing those words, your position has been eliminated and it's scary enough to hear them, but really scary when, when you're 63 or if you're 43. Well, that's true. Um, It really doesn't make a difference anymore what on the age. It's the fact that 
the hoops to get in for an interview, just for an interview, are so complex that job seekers can, aren't going to get a job just by filling out applications. Yeah. I, I spoke with a gentleman that he changes his resume for every job application. Well, that's good to me. That's a, almost an exercise in futility, you know? There's so many uh, hoops that that resume is gonna have to go through in order to get seen, let alone brought in for an interview. Well, that's so true because, you know, we, we, we're, we're all talking about, you know, how do you make sure you have the right keywords? How do you get through those HRISs, through the human resource information systems? You know, what's, what's going to get your resume flagged as one that might actually get through? And see, I've always been a proponent of kind of change and adapt your resume along the way because, you mm -hmm. know, you want to do like different things. But I think to your point, it's still there's still a lot of other hoops to, to jump through. And especially if you're concerned about, am I still marketable? Yes. You know, what, what should people be knowing about this? Well, there's many um, factors to getting selected to come in or uh, for an interview or for a phone screen. And I'm working with one young woman that she really wanted to get out of her current position. So she's lucky that she recognizes the need to get out. So she has identified now where she wants to go and what kind of company she wants to get into, a company that aligns with her values. That's number one. Number two is that um, she had to change that resume a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, um, to kind of be more, um, more readable, more, just easier to understand what it is that she wanted. Everybody knows that she's an experienced professional with 15 years experience. We don't need to do that. What we need to do is to highlight what her accomplishments have been so that they can easily be identified. So she got the phone screen. She's so excited. So we got onto the interview um, portion of my coaching and I told her, don't ever say the word no. Uh, can you do this? Uh, yes, I can learn that. I'm a very fast learner. But don't say no. It kind of starts the mental process into using no. And you don't want to set that tone. And then secondly, she was so excited because she had reached out to the president of the company and they connected on LinkedIn. I said, oh. And she said, what do I say to him? I said, nothing. <laughs> don't say anything. And she says, what? Um, what should I, um, the recruiter didn't answer me. She didn't connect with me. And I said, she won't. She can't show bias. And neither can the um, president. But they're going to be looking at your, your LinkedIn profile. So you have a resume and it shows what you do. But the LinkedIn profile shows more of who you are. So I said to her, the first thing that you need to do is to start writing content. So her position as an operational manager, I said, start talking about, write something about, a, um, about what cost, customer service means to the company, mm -hmm. then what um, teamwork means, then what do you do when a team um, member is not functioning right or not contributing? And so she's now started to do that. You can bet that those people in that company are reading. 90%. And it's 90%. setting herself up as an expert. So she's positioned yeah. herself as an expert in the field for the position that she wants, knowing that those people that are part yeah. of the higher 
children are going to be able to see that and read that. And, and more to the point that they're finding out who she is, that she's not going to be hard to manage because she appreciates the customer service and she appreciates the teamwork. And that's what employers want to know. Are you going to be a hard to manage employee? Are you going to come in and need to be, have a lot of direction or do you have thoughts of your own and what are they? And that's this is a good really place good. to do it. I never really thought about that because, you know, so often, you know, when you're hiring and I've hired hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, you're trying to fit somebody into a position, make sure they know the job, they can understand it, or they can learn it to your point. Say, yes, yes, I can learn that, which is fine. I'm not opposed to somebody not having the exact experience, but you always know whether or not somebody's a good fit after the hire. Yes. You're right. Now, you know, looking at what people write content wise or what they respond to on LinkedIn tells you a lot about whether or not they're going to be an easy transition in. How are they going to work with the rest of the team? Are they going to play nice in the sandbox? And those are important factors for the entire corporate culture. Well, and to, and to that end, you know, I've been re hiring people and recruiting for multiple different types of industries and managers. And my first question is, what's motivating your job search? Did they get laid off? Did they have their position eliminated? Are they looking to make a change? Are they looking to change industries? What is it? So for instance, we had um, an engineer come to uh, interview and he was, he was terrific. The engineering team really thought that they liked how he processed it. But his, I asked him, what's your dream job? What's your motivation? for being here. Well, he needs a job, was his answer. He was very oh, young. No. <laughs> and uh, I said, what's your dream job? Well, he can't wait to write um, games for Microsoft or Nintendo. Uh, and we were in a life critical uh, industry, so we couldn't have that. Right. So um, I'm, I couldn't support the hire. As soon as he would get a job offer or an interview, he'd be out of the picture. That's a really good point. And, you know, as you're talking about that, I was thinking about um, a gal that I interviewed, I, I don't know how many years ago, but the company that we were, that I worked for, you know, we were very, um, it was very fast moving. There were a lot mm -hmm. of moving parts, massive change. So a lot of stress on people. Yeah. Not all bad stress, but, you know, change causes a lot of stress. And I asked her, I didn't ask her what motivated her job search, but that verbiage is wonderful. And I think that's great in terms of prepping an answer. But I, I asked her something similar and she said, my work environment is so stressful. It is so extremely high stress and everybody is so freaked out about change. I need to find a new place to work. And I said, and this is not it. <laughs> this is not the yeah. place you know, because if that's what you're looking for, you're just going to move from one highly stressed environment to another. And I need somebody who wants a challenge, not to just have a vacation from that. And I, I remember she kind of blinked at me and said, well, I can do it. And I said, I know you can do it. But the question is, would you be happy? And yeah. your tells me you wouldn't be happy. And I, I don't feel right about moving you from one environment to another. But I do have some other people and other companies that you might be a good fit for. And Pastor Ron, she was a great candidate. But I knew she wouldn't last where we were. And, and you know, that brings to another point, retention and turnover. Turnover is so expensive. You cannot imagine, and probably you can because you've had companies before, but that really undermines your bottom line. So better to take more time to understand who you're hiring and ensure that 
their values line up with where the company sees itself and what they're doing. Because for instance, in your case with this young woman wanting to um, get out of a stressful environment, what was making that uh, environment so stressful? You know, mm -hmm. she needs to kind of readjust or realign or reassess what she really can tolerate in a workplace environment. If she has a lot of stress at home and having to balance all of that, then she needs to really kind of take a look at what she can, what she's willing to contribute. Absolutely. Well, one of the things I know that we've talked about in prep for this is, you know, really the factor of as you, well, not, not just with age as an issue, but with anybody, we know a couple things. We know that a job, a job search is stressful. Mm -hmm. We know it's lonely. We know that it's frustrating. We know that you get a lot of rejection. Or if you don't get rejection, you just get no contact, which is yeah. a different kind of feeling of, re of rejection. But I know one thing that you told me is that you keep active in a job search for a particular reason. You, will you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. I stay and I keep my profile on LinkedIn open to new opportunities uh, for recruiters. And I do that for multiple of reasons, but mainly because I want to see what's out there, how the process is still working. And it's really interesting. Right now, there are uh, things that are going on that I, don't, I personally don't approve of and I won't follow, such as um, I've been contacted more than five times by a vendor that's going to submit my perfect resume for the perfect job um, as long as I give them my birth date and month and the last four. They think that by not asking me my year of my birth, that that excuses them. Well, no, I'm not going to give that kind of information. And what is alarming about that type of request is that sometimes when you are really urgently looking for that job, you may give that you may think that this is the, the vendor that's going to get you that job. And so you give that information. And that's very risky. Well, and it's important to say, you know, we, a lot of times, like to your point, if somebody says, well, what's your month and day of your birth and what are the last four of your social? It seems like kind of, well, that won't give enough information away about me. But it really can. It doesn't take mm -hmm. too long in this world. I could probably search anybody and I don't know how to, you know, do anything that would be, you know, even remotely trying to access anybody's financial data, mm -hmm. but I probably with those pieces of information. And to your point, you know, when we think about people getting stressed out in there, you know, they're getting a little desperate and something that sounds great might make you make decisions that you wouldn't otherwise when you're not under stress or you're not under that situation of, oh, I need to have a job, especially if you've been on a job search for a long time and because you're not mm -hmm. currently, those things can really compound for people. Oh, it, it, it's, yes, it, it compounds a very um, serious problem because that frustration leads to poor health. It can, uh, damage your relationships within your family. It can uh, damage your um, professional uh, identity. And then socially, you know, what are your friends and, and uh, co-workers, your former co-workers supposed to ask you? How's it going? You hate <laughs> Yeah, that goes you know? over well. So it, it's, it's 
it's a challenge all the way around. So there's answers to that. And there are good things that are able to be done so that you can feel confident, so that you can feel that you're doing everything that you can to get a job. Well, and I think, and I know we want to talk a little bit about the process, but I just wanted to share a quick story because as you were saying that, it took me back 20 some years. And Mm -hmm. I started, for me personally, I started out of college. I was a teacher. So I had a Mm -hmm. teaching I taught for one year. It was a grant-funded position, and at the end of the year, they didn't have the grant. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go find a job again at a time where in my school district there were uh, they were laying off teachers because there weren't enough students. So only the most tenured uh, teachers were staying. And so for that entire summer, I was looking for jobs like crazy. And I could just feel like this weight on me. And at some point in time, I remember somebody said, so how are you doing? And I think I must have talked 20 minutes nonstop about how horrible my life was. (laughs) I remember walking away going, wow, I need some therapy really for that. But I didn't mean to go lay all that on them. What is coming across in my job search, in my resumes and my cover letters that I'm not aware of because mentally I'm so stressed out and worn out that I can't do it. And so I'm no longer really following the process that, that is going to help mm-hmm. me. That was a big wake up for me. And the big question is, well, why can't you just get a real job? <laughs> that, that, that one takes the cake, you know, and I've been asked that. And uh, you can get a real job. You can go to fast food place. You can do all of those. But here's the thing that really hits me hard and why it re, um, why I'm such an advocate of age not defining us is that you work all your life like you had just come out of school you had worked in school to get the degree so that you could go teach but think if you had expanded that to a 20-year effort so when you start out you know very little if anything at the end of 20 years now you know something and nobody wants it. Mm-hmm. As one engineer told me, he's just an encyclopedia. He knows what had come before, but nobody wants to hear it. Only if they want to look up the history of a product. Wow. And, and that, that just that's so devastating. It is. It is. Um, a personal story, just a quick story, is that my uh, father, he got demoted three times. He was the general manager of an aerospace manufacturing division. And they were doing that to cut costs and they kept on doing the reorganization of the company. And then part of that um, demotions was so that it would lower his salary, which would then lower his pension. So at the third time he quit. And he he resigned and he thought he was going to find another job as easily as he had found them in his 40s. But instead, he didn't for a year and a half. By the time that he finally was offered a job, it was less responsibility, less salary. And by that time, the stress had just eaten him up. So he went and took this job at Boeing. He lasted for three months to get the um, benefits in place. He went to the hospital, and two weeks later, he died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, no. Later, yeah, it's devastating. And then much later, I found out that in Chinese medicine, pancreatic cancer shows that you're losing the sweetness of life, that you've lost the sweetness of life. 
So how many job seekers today have lost that sweetness of life? Yes. And, and as you try and go through the process to, if you don't recognize that, I think it really does follow you around. You know, there's this cloud that, you know, is hanging over your head, the cartoon character walking around with it. So let's talk about that a little bit, you know, in terms of the process, because you and I both agree Mm -hmm. that there's a process to getting a new job. And, you know, especially if you're not currently working, it really needs to be a full-time job and a full-time process. But, you know, what do you recommend to people in terms of following that process? Well, I I start with the process of taking a look at their LinkedIn profile. And I do that simultaneously with reviewing their resume. Sometimes, and most often, the resumes just need a little bit of tweaking. But uh, especially for the more seasoned uh, employer worker, they, um, they are a little bit intimidated by LinkedIn. They have a placeholder account, but they don't, they still have that LinkedIn blue as their background. They don't know what to really say. They're afraid of exposing too much. As one friend of mine said, I, I don't want to, why should I connect with people that I don't know? Oh so, boy. Somebody that you don't know may hire you. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and you don't you might want to know them later. <laughs> yes. I've been on LinkedIn now really full time since uh, January. Yeah. And I have had more opportunities and more possibilities for opportunities. Turn up right and left. I have met the most amazing people all over the world. My best friend seems to sit in Luxembourg. My goodness, you know, who would think, right? Um, technology has made it so easy to connect with people and um, when you're feeling down and when you're feeling discouraged you can read such content of positivity on LinkedIn and it's a true learning ground because then you can keep up with what's going on in the business world Um, so I help them refine their job um, their profile on LinkedIn and redo their uh, resume so that it's very sophisticated and clean. So that today, those uh, recruiters that we like to downgrade, I really have a lot of sympathy for them because they are trying to meet metrics that are just humanly impossible. And that's why the ATS, the applicant tracking system, was put into place so that they can sort, say, uh, those that are very inappropriately um, that have applied to positions and um, from those that are much more qualified. But a recruiter doesn't want to read 10 pages of alphabet soup. They want to know what do you do, what did you touch, and what did you accomplish? Mm -hmm. And just, it doesn't have to be for the last 30 years either. It should be for the last 10. Right, yeah, you don't want to have it go back too far or else it becomes something mm-hmm. that's consequential. One thing, though, I want to hit that you talked about, about LinkedIn, because I see this all the time, and I use LinkedIn vastly differently today than I did a year ago, two years ago, definitely five years ago, where it was a placeholder for me. Now, as a part of my business, speaking and writing, I actually have my LinkedIn up all day long, and I'm mm-hmm. connected people, and, and I've made um, some very... Uh, very conscious choices to connect with literally for a while, a hundred people a week that I wanted specific connections because there was business opportunity mm-hmm. that I wanted to know 
those fields. And now I hardly ever make a connection unless I'm looking for somebody because I'm getting so many. But what I've found to your point is it is a wealth of opportunity to learn. So even if you are researching a position uh, or a company and you mm -hmm. look at all the people that are in that company or that you know, work in that realm or that industry, you can read their articles, you can read the things they're sharing, you can read the things that are important to them, which are hot. Yes. You know, so if you came to interview with me and you'd read, you know, one of my articles or, you know, saw something that I made a comment on that I had a really, you know, uh, you know big impact on me, then we can actually have a dialogue where we actually now have a connection that only happened because of LinkedIn, because you wouldn't have ever known that about me as a potential employer before. Well, absolutely true. You know, so many people think that they need to build relationships with recruiters. Recruiters know this, and so they kind of put a, a shield because they can't connect with everyone that wants to talk with them. Better to out, uh, identify the company that you really would like to work for, and then to identify the teams within that company that you'd like to work for. And say that the company is... Um, it located in your hometown, but there are other divisions outside uh, in other locations, and you um, connect with somebody in Atlanta, but you're working in Seattle. Continue that relationship because you, they can tell you many things. What do they like wor about working in that company? How do they find and what keeps them in that company? What would they encourage you to do in order to get hired by that company? And who can they connect you to? Absolutely. And you don't ask all that in the beginning, right? You build a relationship. <laughs> but that's what's possible. It's amazing to me. If I had applied to all the opportunities that have come my way since I've been on LinkedIn, um, I, it would have been a full-time job. And well, I wouldn't and have gotten that far. Yeah, and it's, it's important that you realize that that is part of the process, like to get up every day and look at this and not just be searching for the jobs, but doing the, the legwork behind that. And mm -hmm. if it's a company you really want, then take the time and invest in it. I was thinking, um, this, will, this will age me, um, obviously, mm -hmm. but I was thinking back to, you know, in my mid-20s when I was applying for different jobs and you used to put your resume, you know, in a really nice folder and you printed it out on lovely paper and yep. you handed it to people and you spoke to them and you wrote them a handwritten note, which I would work on hours for because I have terrible handwriting. <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd send these, you'd send these, these personal connections that you had no other way to make without stalking somebody in the parking lot of their company, now LinkedIn offers us such an opportunity to get to know people. Mm -hmm. And I even have, there's a, um, a, a consultant who, uh, has, who reached out to me months ago about maybe doing some contract work for me in a particular aspect of my business, and I didn't have a need for it then. But it's interesting that he has replied to almost every one of my posts. He likes things. He makes comments. Every once in a while, he just checks in, hope everything's going great. I liked your last post. Mm -hmm. Just little things, not, not big, nothing aggressive, nothing I felt stocked. But today, actually, I had to make the decision that I'm going to look for contractors in this one field. I'm going to look for some proposals. And he was the first person I contacted. Yeah. Because I thought, you know what, there's something about him. I don't know if I'll pick him in the end, but I certainly am going to put him in, in the consideration because 
he proved to me that over time he actually does care about what I say and what I do in my business. Mm -hmm. That be something about his character. Yes, absolutely. And that's how you build relationships. When I started recruiting, we didn't have all these search engines. We had a phone, a phone book, and a pad of paper. Yeah, exactly. And you, um, you found your candidates by knowing who do you know? Who do you know? And who do you know? And who can you introduce me to? And then uh, you remember these people and you put them in your personal database so that you would be able to access them. The first person I ever recruited, still in contact with. Isn't that fabulous? I yeah, mean, I it's loved terrific. It. it was personal. The world was smaller and yet more connected. And this gives us something. And it's funny because it's not like this is a big LinkedIn commercial, but mm -hmm. I really, I think it's so important because so many people overlook what the importance is of this as a tool to help you. And maybe you're not even actively job searching right now, but you're trying to think about what's the next step that I want to take or where do I want to go? Yes. That's, that's the vehicle for making sure that you are a known commodity that people want to interact with. Well, and looping back to that, older um, employee. More mature. As he's more mature, yeah. <laughs> I or like to say. mature. But, but um, as they start to progress towards retirement, they don't need, necessarily need to retire. They may want to. That's great. But a lot of people don't want to. They can't afford to. And so they need possibly to rewire and that's um, a good thing to do, to, because I, for one, can tell you how rejuvenating that is. I can work much more than I ever worked in my life in the corporate world because I'm working for myself and I'm helping and I'm doing and um, just interacting with people at my discretion and at my, um, with my passion. And I've never thought that I would work like this, ever. And it's, there's so many people. I know a woman who um, started a radio station at 70 years old. Two years later, she's syndicated in 55 stations, and she went to the Gracie Awards. And she was dressed by, I know, 72. And that she was dressed by a woman who started her dress design business at 65. Fantastic. There are some people that are have reinvented themselves. And that there is the fountain of youth because you have a passion, a purpose, and a confidence in what you do. I know I, I tattled on myself when we had our first conversation because <laughs> it was a great opportunity for me to say, you know, as I'm doing this now and I'm writing more books and I'm doing speaking and I've got all these other elements to my company, this summits like this, um, working on a project with a company out of Singapore, all these things going. And my husband said, you know, you're building an empire. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, am I too old to start building an empire at 49? No. No. And, and my daughter asked me, she said, so what are you doing? And I, I use those words. I'm building an empire. But yeah, the yeah. empire is, for me, I want to help people. I think that there is such a satisfaction out of knowing that I can help and create that confidence and that purpose that they may be missing. If you go to interview and if you go to and apply for a job and you are feeling like desperate or you're feeling um, frustrated and, and the new term is ghosted, which is 
not being replied to when you apply, that's really, that's Isn't really harsh. I'm too old. I didn't even know what that term meant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it, it is old. there. I'm seasoned. Yes. No, you're not old. Um, you're not old until you say you're old. You know, I've asked so many the, of those that are well over 70. When did you know that if you were going to get old? And several got mad. I'm not old. And they said, old happens above your shoulders. It happens in your speech. And that notifies the rest of your body. Oh, <laughs> we better line up with that program if we're getting old. I don't believe it. I believe age does not define us. What defines us is what we speak. The words that come out of our mouth and uh, what we give life to, that's, what, that's who we are. That's what we become. Oh, Norma, this has been so great. And I know that a lot of the viewers, um, whatever their age, there's so many pearls here for us to remember that it's about what we control, how we can control it, and where we are mentally in the game. And I think that's, it's so important to remember that what you think will come across. Yes. And that doesn't have to be seen as a negative. You can say, what I think is, I am awesome. I am exactly yes. what this company needs. This is the company for me. And I'm going to find a way to make sure I make those connections um, in my mind mm -hmm. and in there so that when I walk out this door or I get off this first phone interview, that they have no doubt that I'm going to be called back again and again and again until the job is mine. Yes, that confidence is um, priceless. I love it. So as we wrap up here, do you have any last words of wisdom, any uh, pearls that you want to share with our viewers today? Hmm. Pearls, I don't know, um, but I would say that don't discount the power of LinkedIn. Do not discount the power of the new things that are coming across. Um, I'm working with a gentleman, Joe Shepard, who has a new company called Zen Leap, and it overrides all resumes. It's beautiful. It is strictly based on profiles. And it can be in adjunct with your resume, but it can also stand alone. So there's many things that are going on you can find out about through LinkedIn. You can learn, engage, and grow. Perfect. Zenleap, how is that spelled? With a Z or an X? <laughs> Zen as in Yoda, okay. Z-E-N, and then Leap as in Frog. <laughs> I laugh because, uh, you know, as we talk about all the, you know, you Gen Xers and now we have Gen Zs and we have millennials, I'm mm. thinking I don't know how to spell anything anymore, so I always have to ask. So Zenleap, I think that's fabulous. We'll make sure to have that in the show notes as well. Okay. So um, although we'll also have ways to contact you in the show notes just for anybody who's listening while they're driving, how mm. can they find Norma Craft Consulting is the name of my business and Norma at NormaCraft.com. I love it. They can also find you on LinkedIn. Oh, absolutely. I love the uh, things that you're writing there. I think it's, it's fabulous and it helps give us all a reminder of where we are and how to be grounded in this, uh, this process where we are. Norma, it has been such a pleasure having you as my guest today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity and I'm here to support you in all of what you do because I think it's exciting. Thank you so much. Well, we will, uh, we will definitely keep in touch and I mm -hmm. can't wait to hear more from you in the future. Thank you again, Norma. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Shock Your Potential. To learn more, visit shockyourpotential.com, shockyourpotentialpodcast.com, salesmixology.com. You can find my first book, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees at Amazon. To get a snippet of it for free, text the words, tell me more to the number 72,000. That's tell me more to 72000.